Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Um, hey, I want to stop uh, be- before we get into the message and just really uh, quickly uh, acknowledge Sam and, and Carol this morning. It'll be their last uh, weekend here with us. They're moving uh, back to Nevada, so we just wanted to stop and, and to recognize you guys and, and say how much we love and, and appreciate you. Thanks. church, we're going to be uh, continuing our, our series uh, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and uh, this morning we're going to be talking about the Sabbath and the daily office, um, but before we get too, uh, too much into the message, I wanted to start off by showing this video, see if you watch this. What's the point of showing that? One, because it's, it's, it's funny, is, is one. Uh, it is, yeah, you, there's a lot of laughter that affirmed to me that it was funny. Um, but the other, the other side of it is, is, is this point. Liv- living can be hard. <laughs> and, and we can be tossed around by the culmination of menial tasks by the mundane, by the ordinary, that we could be tossed around by that. Um, living is, is a place of recognizing we try. And we try to subdue, we try to master, we try to put things in order, but often life is too much for us. The curse of the fall in the third chapter of Genesis is that it's by hard labor that we will gather food. That, that by the sweat of our brow, we will eat our bread. Today we'll talk about Sabbath and, and daily office. Um, but, but listen, more than this being one more thing that you have to add to your calendar, because you might be thinking like me, I'm already really challenged by all that fills my calendar, and Sabbath and daily office can feel like one more thing that I have to inject into my week. And I'm not so sure that I have the time for it. I'm not so sure that I can add one more or a handful of things to my week. And and listen, my admonition to us is is that, that rest, and the rhythm of rest and the nature of rest would get deep into our bones. That this wouldn't just be about adding something to our calendar, but this would be about saying, who are we becoming? Are we becoming a people in which rest, in which peace, 
resides over us, has mastery over our lives. Sabbath and the daily office are a place of rest, of delight, and transformation. It is a place where we learn to abide with the one who offers peace beyond our understanding, and then we offer that rest to the world around us. I'm going to take you to, to Deuteronomy chapter 5, and, and there in Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting at verse 12, um, well, this chapter is what is very well known as uh, the Ten Commandments, and here is commandment number four. It says this, it says, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male and female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. There's a lot to say here, but where I want to start this morning is, is to say that this was a culture-building commandment, that this was a command that instructed how we are to live. It's a posture of our living, and it's a way that draws a really wide circle around all that we're connected to. For us to keep the Sabbath was for us to offer this way to the world around us. Notice the distance of this command. Your sons and your daughters, your, your servants. Like, listen, even if you were to have a goldfish, your goldfish should experience the Sabbath. This is a way that is meant to be uh, lived out by a people. The Sabbath was an ethical command. It's given to a people. It's given to a society. It's given to a culture. And let the emphasis be on the character of God's heart. He desires for creation to rest to be at peace, not striving, not conflict, not hostility, not anxiousness, not worry, but rest, that this was the desire for God's people. And this was a command that was meant to get into the Israelites' hearts. You were slaves, I gave you rest. The Egyptians aren't your master. You belong to me. And what I desire for you is for you to be with me. A harsh master is not meant to rule over you. And then this was meant to translate to how the Israelites treated everyone else. You are to be a people of rest, and you are to offer that rest to everyone that resides with you. You, the people of God, are to be a sanctuary. You are to be a people of peace. 
And you were meant to demonstrate that to everyone that lives with you. The instruction to us is we cannot be a chaotic, an unstable people that are looking for purpose in anything else besides God. But we're at peace with him. And we find that he is our place of delight and pleasure. I, I can't help but take us back to creation. And in Genesis chapter 1, there's a bit of a bummer in the way that we've structured our Bible. And by that, I mean we have a chapter delineation here that, that I think should have been moved a little bit further down. Because one of the things that you notice at the end of Genesis chapter 1 is that Genesis chapter ends, Genesis chapter 1 ends on day 6. And then Genesis chapter 2 starts on day 7. And what happens because of that is that now there's a separation in our mind and we think that the completion of creation happens on day 6. But listen now. Creation was not complete until day seven. There's a cutoff on the thought. Notice what's, what's described here in verse two of Genesis chapter two. It says this, and on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all that he had done. God didn't finish creation on day six. It was on the seventh day God finished. But what did God do? What did God do on day seven? He rested. And the message to us is that creation is incomplete without the day of rest. If you don't have the, the day of rest, then you don't have the rest of creation. It's not complete. And listen now, what this means is, is the day of rest gives us a climactic view of living. In the day of rest, we get a taste of the garden. Think about it this way. Adam and Eve's first full day of living was the Sabbath. They hadn't accomplished anything. It wasn't that they worked for six days and then had the Sabbath. And the instruction to us is this place of saying that, that rest is our starting point. It wasn't because we accomplished. It isn't a reward for all of our laboring and all of our striving that we get a day off. No, this is our place of living. And, and, the, and the message to us is, is this is what living should look like. A day of complete connection and communion with God. Genesis 1 opens with the world being formless and void. What we're told is the Spirit of God hovers over the dark waters. 
the creation narrative ends with rest. And it's there. Again, this is why I think that chapter delineation is, is not the best way that it, it should have been delineated, but, I mean, it is what we have, and we can come back and look at it and realize that, that, that it all starts in chaos. It all starts in being dark and formless, and then it ends with God bringing everything to peace. It shows us that the sovereignty of God and the power of God moves us from chaos to rest. And that that's where our living should reside, is in peace. Notice as well that day seven has no evening to it. All the other days there was day and there was evening. And theologian John Andrews says it this way, could it be that here, at the beginning, the Lord of the Sabbath is giving us a huge nudge towards the truth that the rest enshrined on the seventh day was never meant to remain within the confines of the day, but it was intended to be enjoyed every day. What's the application there that you now give your boss a call and say, I don't have to work anymore? Pastor Brittany, that is not the case. <laughs> no, but it's something that communicates to us that rest is a posture of our living. We are not to be like that chaotic, dark waters that Genesis 1 starts with. But because of the sovereignty, because of the power of God and God residing within us, now we live as people of peace. And it goes further than that, that when you look over the pages of the Old Testament, it was, what you see is that God gives to the people of Israel a rhythm to their calendar. Every seventh day was to be a Sabbath day, but then to go beyond that, in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 25, you'll see is every seventh year was meant to be a Sabbath year. Listen to this. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in their yield. But in the seventh year, there should be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap the aftergrowth of your harvest or gather the grapes of your unpruned vine. It shall be a year of complete rest for the land. You may eat what the land yields during its Sabbath. You, your male and female slaves, your hired and your bound laborers who live with you, for your livestock also, and for the wild animals in your land, all its yield shall be for food. And then it goes further. You look at the next verse in, in Leviticus chapter 25, what you'll see is that every seven Sabbath year cycles, which means every 49 years, after, at the close of every 49 years, in the 50th year, there was to be a jubilee. And listen to the description of this year of jubilee. You shall count off seven weeks of years, 
seven times seven years. So the period of seven weeks of years gives 49 years. Then you ha shall have the trumpet sounded loud. On the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, you shall have the trumpet sounded throughout all of your land, and you shall hallow the fiftieth year, and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You shall return every one of you to your property and every one of you to your family. And that the Leviticus chapter 25 goes on to describe that it was a time for the land to be restored to their original owners, for slaves to be freed. If you sold your farm to another person, it would automatically revert to your ownership during the year of Jubilee. If you sold your house out in the country at the year of Jubilee, it once again be yours. If you were poor and sold yourself into slavery at the year of Jubilee, you would be freed. The rhythm for the Israelites was you shall not be overcome by burdens. The message is that God doesn't desire for humanity to be humanity to be a place to be in a place of turmoil and desolation you think of think of the day of jubilee and this rhythm of sabbath rest this way that is meant to be about the people of god and hear jesus's words when he stands before everyone in the synagogue and he says the spirit of the lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to give us rest, that we would be a people that are at peace, and that all of our living would flow out of that. We're going to pause mid-sermon. I'm going to ask Pastor Brittany to come on up here, and we're going, to, we're going to just have her sing. I've asked her to sing a song that we would just stay sitting. We'd listen to the words of the song, and then we'd come back into the message. As she's prepping, the end of the Sabbath command in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty and outstretched hand. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Central to the Sabbath command is that nothing else would have dominion over it. Nothing else would be our master. We are not called to be a people that has harsh masters over us. But what does have mastery over us is the Prince of Peace. The Spirit of the Lord 
once again, in the way that chapters are delineated, I think that we're at a disadvantage in how we're, we contemplate on Scripture because in Matthew, at the end of Matthew chapter 11, you'll hear these words from Jesus. Come to me, all of you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The chapter ends there, but interestingly, when you look at the first two stories of Matthew chapter 12, what you'll see are these Sabbath controversies. There are these spaces in which, one, Jesus is walking through um, a, a wheat field on the Sabbath day, and him and his disciples are plucking off the grains of wheat, and they're eating them. And the Pharisees seek to condemn Jesus because, well, they're working on the Sabbath by plucking food. The story right after that is that on a Sabbath, there's a man that's there in the gathering with a withered hand, and the Pharisees are seeing if Jesus is going to heal him or not, and Jesus does heal him on the Sabbath. Listen, those two stories are directly connected to his statement at the end of Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all of you that are weary. The message there, the lesson for us, is that Jesus came to relieve us of our heavy burdens. That the Sabbath is precisely for us to be restored, for our souls to be taken care of, for us to find that the Sabbath is a day of healing, a day where Jesus is making all right. And it is pointing to that future day where he will make everything right where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more tears, where there will be no more death, right? And so that, that point of him saying, come to me and I will give you rest, the Sabbath is one of those places that he does provide rest for us. It is a place for us to learn what it looks like to live without heavy burdens, to be a people of peace. It was also a, le a lesson for the religious leaders. You cannot simply do the Sabbath. The spirit of the Sabbath is meant to get in you. It's meant to be a transformative work. There's a song that we sometimes sing called Pour Me Out, and the line in that song simply goes like this, like a rushing river... Let mercy flow through my heart and into the world. And the prayer here is that the, the mercy of God would flow through your heart. That you would be regularly acquainted with the mercy of God. I like the way that pastor and, and um, theologian A.J. Sabota says it this way. To keep a Sabbath is, a, is to give time and space on our calendar to the grace of God. It is a space on our calendar to regularly be reacquainted with the grace of God. That the mercy of God flood our hearts 
and that we would offer that to the rest of the world. And let me tie this directly to our series here in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. We are not to be like those chaotic, untamed waters of Genesis chapter 1, but there is meant to be a stillness about our lives. Central to the Sabbath is rest and delight. And we can't do that if we are in constant motion. We can't rest and delight if there is ongoing, unresolved tension in our inner being. We cannot be a people of rest if there are other things that rule over us. But our good shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures, and he restores our souls. And that's the motivation of taking us through emotionally healthy spirituality. We would find God restoring our souls. Let me get really, really practical. Sabbath is simply this. It's a day of stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating. If you'd like, you can go to the front page of our website, ksandiego.org, and what you'll notice there on the front page of our website, you scroll down just a little bit, you'll see Sermon Resource uh, for March 20th, and you can click that, and you'll just have a little write-up that I put together about how I approach my Sabbath, um, how I stop, how I rest, um, how I delight, and how I reflect. Um, so just a little write-up for you in a way that you'd get introduced to the Sabbath. The daily office is simply this. It's to find a moment in our day to stop, to rest, to delight, and to reflect. And so I have what will come up on the screen, um, a screenshot of my phone. And you'll notice there there's an app that I have. It's called Centering Prayer. Um, we'll open, go ahead and open up the, the app there and you'll notice that there's a structure um, that's there and, and it's got an opening vestibule, an opening prayer. You click on that and you could pick different sayings and quotes and all these other things. I'm, I've only selected the opening scripture. So if you don't like the other stuff, don't blame me. I've never clicked on it. That's your own journeying into those spaces. Um, all I can say is that I typically select an opening prayer. Um, I don't have a beginning sound, and then I pick a silence duration. Usually at the start of my day, I'm somewhere in seven or 10 minutes, that I pick a, a time of silence to just sit. In the middle of my day, I scroll it down to two minutes. Sometimes I forget that, to put it back down to two minutes, and I'm sitting there forever going, why is this taking so long? Um, and then I look back up at my phone and realize, oh man, um, or my phone will be on silent, and then I don't hear the the closing sound. Um, you could just easily do this with the, the timers that are on your, your phone. The reason that I use this is because I like the gong sound. Because it isn't so abrupt. The, the, the timers on all of the iPhone, like all the iPhone timers are so annoying. They shock you out of that space. And I just wanted something that was a little bit more subtle. So that's the motivation, honestly, of using this app. Um, and then there's a closing prayer. I thought that I would take us through a daily office today. So what we're going to do is, and that's why I've got um, the speaker here, um, connect to my phone. And I, um, 
I light a candle. I intentionally have a three-wick candle uh, to remind me of the presence of God. Three wicks, just so I might contemplate on the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit while I sit in a moment of, of silence. Um, one thing that might be helpful for you is because maybe like you're like me and your mind wanders, that it's usually at the start of these moments that you remember all the things that you have to do or you forgot to do, um, that I use what's called breath prayer. Can you bring up the examples of the breath prayers? These are my three go-tos in my own life. Um, and you'll see the dash there. The, before the dash is usually I breathe in, Lord Jesus, Son of God, and then I breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, breathe in, speak, Lord. Breathe out, your servant is listening. Breathe in, Spirit of the living God. Breathe out, fall afresh on me. And it's just a way for me to, to try to get away from all the motion and, and commotion that's happening in my mind. It takes me, a lot of times, a long time to slow down. But here's the motivation. I want to have a habit, a discipline, of returning to God. I, I, I want to develop a discipline of turning back to him. And, and to do something like this in the middle of my day is, is that place of, of realizing that in the tense moments of life, the argument with the spouse, the traffic, on the 805, the work deadline, the office place politics, the pile of dishes that the roommate said that they were going to do and then didn't do, the crayons on the couch. That before I come across all of those things, I've developed a habit of returning to the presence of God. So that when those moments happen, I know what it is to return to him. And when scripture tells us that there aren't scenarios that, haven't come, that you come across that aren't just common to all of humanity, but in those moments that the spirit will, will, will prompt you and give you a way out of those places of temptation, that's developed through practices like Sabbath and daily offerings so that we might be a people who are more aware of the Spirit's prompting in our lives, that we might be a people that are more aware of just God's Spirit dwelling with us. Two minutes. We can go for two minutes today. I'll leave, we'll leave this up on the screen. Actually, go to the opening prayer. Let's start with that opening prayer. If you want to just... Just maybe help you slow down and, and you can read that. If you want to put that full screen for those that are watching online, I'll read it for anyone that might be engaging later through the podcast. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. All of us gazing with unveiled faces on the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory as from the Lord who is the Spirit. And to endure two minutes.
And then we'll close with the verse. In you is the source of life, and in your light we see light. You just did a daily offering. Um, for those that are tonight starting emotionally healthy relationships with us, you're getting a book. Um, hopefully, you, maybe you've ordered it, or you, I think the communication was that you should have ordered it. We, I think we'll have a couple of extra tonight. Um, but then you'll notice that there are uh, morning slash uh, midday daily offices. Or actually, it's, yeah, and then evening, or uh, midday slash evening daily offices. So you can do two daily offices, and it'll take you through that. Um, in, in the HR. By the way, you can still join us um, tonight if you'd like to. Um, ask that you do fill out that form that was emailed to everyone. It's also linked in the events page of, of our website. Um, but there, again, the, the hope is, is just that we would we'd find time in the middle of our day to remember Jesus. We'd have to find time in the middle of our day to, to reflect on him to spend time with him, to be still before his presence. I'm going to ask the worship team uh, to come back up. And, and so I just wanted this morning to be really, really simple for us. The rhythm, the posture, a little bit different. Just ultimately and explicitly to say it this way. Rest is meant to get into our bones. We are meant to be a people of peace. I like the way that Eugene Peterson says it. He says, how can I lead people into the quiet place beside the still waters if I'm in perpetual motion? How can I convincingly persuade a person to live by faith and not by works if I have to constantly juggle my schedule to make everything fit into place? So for some of us, the application might be is we have to find ways to calm our schedule down a bit. But I, I, hear the words of Jesus. What benefit is it to you to gain the whole world but to lose your soul? What benefit would it be for us to fill our calendar with striving and turmoil if it means that we lose our souls? it means that the Prince of Peace doesn't reign over our lives. And the most beautiful gift that we can offer to the world around us is that we would be a people of peace and delight. That what people would find in the people of God would be a people that are just defined by rest and joy. Because we've known what it is to turn our attention to Jesus. And listen, we're not going to always get it right I even just, my candle is a, is a reminder to me every single moment because there's soot that's spread all around the edges of my candle. And the reason that it's spread around the edges of the candle is because someone in my household, after I did my daily office, put their fingers in the wax and got the wit all over their fingertips and just decided to rub it all around the candle. And I asked Larissa to not do it again. And she said she wouldn't. <laughs> but the candle becomes a reminder to me. Like, this, this practice is meant to be in the middle of life. 
It's meant to be amidst the disorganized and the chaotic. It's meant to be in the middle of all of that. It's meant to teach me to be patient with the moment that someone takes their finger and shove it in my daily office candle. I mean, how ironic would it be if I just was like, how dare you do this? Right? But it's just, oh, that's right. That teaches me to be at peace. That teaches me to be different. It teaches me to, to be a person of rest and to offer that to the people that are close to me and, and to the people that are far from me. Let's enter into song together. You could stand if you'd like.